Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody! Welcome in to the uh, the latest episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Pain and Pendergast mornings on Sports Radio 610. Joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer. Senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com, GalleriesSports.com as well, John McClain. And we've got our preview of the Cowboys and the Texans. 17 points spread on this game on Sunday coming up. We've got a little for real or Fugazi we'll play to take a look around. Some of the stories in the NFL and in Major League Baseball as well because there's some big doings there that affect the Astros. Uh, but, John, how you doing this morning, man? John, I'm doing great. I woke up to Aaron Judge's $360 million deal, stayed in New York, and I think people weren't surprised by that. And it's interesting because whenever there's a new labor deal, which baseball has, and when the uh, luxury tax goes way up, owners just love to spend silly money, and man, are they doing it. You know, you're paying Aaron Judge at 31 basically for four or five good years. Mm-hmm. You're you're paying, boy, the deal that uh, Turner got uh, from Philly, 11 years. You know, he'll be 40. Maybe athletes will be Tom Brady by that time, but you're really hoping to get five good years out of them, and then you're just throwing away millions, but so many of them believe they have to do it. And you know, Sean, if they didn't have that money, they wouldn't be spending it. And that's one thing I like about baseball. It used to all be about not spending it. But now when you see teams like the Padres and the Rangers, 
you know, mid markets, but with uh, great ballparks and fan bases that want to be re-energized, spending that kind of money. I think it's great for the game. Now, John, that, okay, you just touched on something there. That's what I need now. The next, the, the first general manager to cite the following as the reason why they signed a guy to a deal where he's going to be making $40 million when he's 40 years old. The first GM to say that they did that because they expect advancements in in medicine and taking care of athletes' <laughs> bodies in the next eight years that'll be that'll become my favorite general manager. Well, we ex- fully expect uh, big advancements in the uh, field of of uh, knee ligaments and uh, various other ailments in the next ten years, which will make this contract look like a bargain in twenty thirty two. Just remember TB twelve and what it's done for Tom Brady, and I'll tell yeah. you something else. When you're trying to put judge's contract into perspective, he's going to make for nine years $4,800 a minute. Oh, my God. A minute, like while he's playing or a minute while he's existing? That's what I saw, 4800 a minute, 300 I haven't figured it up, but that's what it broke down, what he was going to make per, per season, per month, per week, per day, and per minute. They didn't have per second. So he just sits there for a minute, and he's like, yep, Cabo vacation. Sits there for a minute, like, yep, yep, home Sits theater. Sits on the toilet for five minutes, 48 right. times five. What is that? He take 48 <laughs> times five is, uh, that's like 24 grand right there, John. He just sits on the can, and he makes enough to put a down payment on a nice uh, townhome or something. That's unbelievable. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, um, so let's get into this, John. Uh, we've got week 14, Texans and the Cowboys. Texans coming off a loss to the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson. I guess before we get into our pregame six-pack on the Cowboys, I feel like with Deshaun, there were still some crumbs left over on Monday because obviously we, we recapped the game and listened to what Deshaun had to say. By Tuesday, there were still maybe a few crumbs still sitting there. I can say, honestly, now we're we're recording this on Wednesday to drop on Thursday. I kind of feel like the page has been turned now on Deshaun. Like there is a lot less care it, with me about what happens with Deshaun moving forward. I'll root against him, but that's whatever. I'm more focused on the Texans now than I am the Browns. The only the only thing that I'm hyper-focused on when it comes to Deshaun and the Browns is the draft capital that the Texans have in the next two drafts. How, how do you feel about where we're at? Now, did, is, did, is the, the turning the page aspect of this, which we all thought might happen, is that a – I almost feel like this is a, an early for real or Fugazi that I'm giving you, John. For real or Fugazi, the page has officially been turned on Deshaun Watson. That's for real, Sean. I know I don't have any columns planned on him except maybe when the season ends and about the draft pick, where it ends up being, and then maybe close to the draft. I will keep up with what he and the Browns do, mainly because some really good friends of mine have covered the Browns from 30 to 40 years. And I think it's going to be next season before they get 
the real Deshaun Watson who we knew in Houston. And once that game was over and he played bad, but they won because Pep Hamilton's offense looks like a bad skit from Saturday Night Live, which is the lead on my column uh, that I sent in this morning on uh, for gallerysports.com. It's it's not nothing's going to change here during the season, but the Browns look like boy they were better at least that right now with Jacoby Brissett. And of course, Texans fans will all pull against the Browns. And since that game ended, the person gets the most attention is Anna McNair for turning her back on him when he came over in pregame warmups to shake their hand. And Cal McNair did it, but not you know they didn't chat. And Anna just turned her back to him, and that's gotten her a lot of praise, not just around the city locally, but nationally. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. I thought it was great. Uh, all right, John, let's get into this matchup then. The Texans and the Cowboys, 17-point spread, which I, I don't know what the spread was on this game before the season. I know it wasn't 17 points. Hell, it was only 15 points, only 15, only 15 points to start the week, and it's only gone up. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It's down to 16-and-a-half since the announcement that – Davis Mills is going to be the starting quarterback. So uh, Mills being the starter has inspired at least a little bit of confidence that the Texans can stay within 17. Let's do this pregame six-pack style, John. Three for you, three for me, things that we'll be looking for in this game against the Cowboys on Sunday. And, of course, the honor is always yours, Hall of Famer. I wonder what the spread would be if they announced somebody besides Pep Hamilton was going to call the plays and devise the game plan and determine who was going to play on offense. If that would affect it much, I think it would affect the fan base. People get really fired up since this this offense has scored four touchdowns in three games and allowed four touchdowns in three games. And with a ferocious pass rush coming up, with the Cowboys, led by Micah Parsons, Davis Mills. I'm surprised he didn't say, hey, can we wait a week? At least the Chiefs <laughs> are at home, and they don't have that pass rush. So I'd start with Davis Mills back in the lineup. Um, it's not that Kyle Allen's performance made people long for Mills. They just long for change. Yeah. And since Jeff Driscoll's not available on the practice squad, I guess they could sign him to the regular roster and start him. That may be what's coming. But with Mills back in the lineup, you wonder, okay, last year he took a seat bench, came back and played well, but that was with Tim Kelly, who's looking like a genius compared to Pep Hamilton. So I'm going to guess Mills is back. It's not going to make a difference. They're still going to get killed. Key is over under on Cowboys touchdown by their by their uh by their defense i would say one and i might take the over but uh i would start off with mills and uh and i I just don't think with pep hamilton running the show they're capable of doing anything i don't either john you bring up an interesting thing though there with respect to the quarterback position that i was thinking um when it was the report came out this morning that, that Mills is going to start. And Lovey has since confirmed that at the press conference a little later this morning that Davis Mills is going to start. Um, if Mills were to get hurt, well, let me back up. Do you think that Kyle Allen is inactive this weekend and they would bring Jeff Driscoll up off the practice squad to be the backup? Kyle Allen was that bad in these two games. I don't think so because Driscoll, all he did in a couple of appearances early was run the ball. And if they're going to run the ball all the time, they should have Damian Pierce on the Wildcat taking snaps, go right, go left, put two two strong sides. But uh, I'd be surprised if Allen were not the backup. Some people wondered that about Mills. 
And that's because of what happened in New York with the Jets, with Zach Wilson being inactive. But I don't think you can have Driscoll go in there without preparation. So I think it'll be Mills and Allen. Okay. Well, that's that, that's an interesting wrinkle. I'm going to – my first one in the pregame six-pack, John, I'm going to kind of touch on something you just said right there. But um, the battle between Micah Parsons and Laramie Tunsil is going to be fun to watch. Similar to, you know, last week there wasn't a whole lot of fun stuff to watch in that Cleveland game. But I thought the tackles for the Texans, Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard, did a pretty good job against Miles Garrett and uh, and uh, Jadeveon Clowney. Uh, Michael Parsons is the best defensive player in football. So this is exciting to get a chance to watch him uh, for 60 minutes in this game. Uh, I don't know how exciting it will be for Davis Mills, but I'm anxious to see if Laramie Tunsil, who's had a really good year, if Laramie Tunsil were on a better team, he would be getting a lot of consideration, and he may still for all pro. I mean, he's been that good. He's been one of the three or four best left tackles in football this year. So I'm anxious to watch Michael Parsons coming off the edge against Laramie Tunsil and see how the Texans can do against him and see if he can keep Davis Mills somewhat somewhat clean. We know the interior of the offensive line for the Texans has been an issue all year, but uh, the the uh, there's not a lot of stuff to look forward to matchup-wise with the Texans. Tunsil against edge rusher XYZ, and in this case, Micah Parsons, actually is something to look forward to. And I would disagree because Nick Bosa, Beats him in every statistic that you want from a defensive man. I just saw a list comparing him plus Bosa plays for the best defense in the NFL for a coach, D'Amico Ryans, who I hope will be the Texans' next head coach. And too bad he won't be able to bring Nick Bosa with him. My next one would be the Texans' defensive line. Um, I thought the last three games, Texans' defense giving up four touchdowns, none against the Browns. Two against Miami on drives of 59 and three yards. The defense has played better. It's hard to say he's played better against the run because they just gave up 174 yards. When it comes to the low standards that this defense sets, yes, it has done pretty well. Considering at one point it was giving up 200 and something yards rushing again, but they've gotten pretty good pressure. They only had uh, one sack, but they got Pretty good pressure on Watson, forced him out, forced him to get rid of the ball early, threw a lot a lot of the bad passes. Some Everybody thinks it was his inactivity, and I'm sure that had a lot to do with it, but he got forced out of his comfort zone, and uh, I don't think they can do that with Dak Prescott. I think they're going to get killed, but I think they deserve a little credit, and I think Malik Collins is playing best, but that's not saying a lot because they don't have a lot of talent. Jonathan Grenard is back in practice. He missed five games last year. He's missed so many this year, and he should be their best pass rusher, and maybe he will once he's back on the active roster. But I'd say the defensive line's got his work cut out with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. No doubt about that. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, John, my next one is uh, Jalen Petrie. Uh, who had the interception against Deshaun Watson last week? And you know, you watch the replays of those interceptions, and it was, uh, it was, it was a really, I mean, it was a really well done play by Jalen Petrie, kind of baiting Deshaun into that throw, and then 
able to stifle a drive that the Browns had in the Texans red zone right there. Um, they, as you pointed out in the podcast earlier this week, they've made the move to free safety with Jalen Petrie. I, you know, I don't know if there's a new staff in here next year. I don't know if that's what they envision him being, but his numbers have gotten better since they moved him to free safety. His tackling has gotten better. His pro football focus grades have gone up significantly in that three week time frame since they moved him to free safety. So in this season where, as I've pointed out many times, I'm looking at success in this season based on the number of young players that make progress and I want to be around for a while. Jalen Petrie over the last month or so has kind of rekindled some of that enthusiasm for me um, that I've had about that. I had about uh, him quite frankly, the day that they drafted him, I was really excited about the choice of Petrie and I'm, I'm very excited for eventually just a whole new staff to be in here to watch these guys make progress under a real coaching staff. The thing about Petrie, it doesn't matter which safety position you play. If you're missing a tackle in the open field, like he did, whether you're playing strong safety or free safety, I think he's just gotten better, more experienced, maybe a little smarter about the angles, about where he hits somebody, about wrapping up, making sure he gets a tackle before he tries to strip the ball. Mm-hmm. And so he had his best. He didn't play well at free safety at Baylor. And when they moved him around the line of scrimmage, they had him covering slot receivers and had him blitzing a lot. That's where he was great. And the bottom line on him, other than the missed tackles, he's played pretty well. He dropped an interception, I think, against Miami, maybe Washington. No, it was Washington. It was Washington. Washington. Yep. And, he's, and he's had a couple plays where he's gotten beat. But all rookies get beat. Even Sauce Gardner gets beat, although all these things we keep getting from national media, you think Sauce Gardner is the greatest rookie defensive back in history. And I'd love to see the Texans get back Derek Stingley Jr., but he will not be because, as as Lovey Smith talked about, a bad hamstring injury can take a long time. Yep, yep. That was news from Lovey Smith's press conference this morning. It's a shame um, with Stingley that the hamstring is is keeping him out. All right, uh, John, what is your last one for the pregame six-pack? I would say Damian Pierce because he's such a part of the offense. You know, he rushed for 55 yards and nine carries in the first quarter against the Browns. I'm thinking, wow, the run blocking is better. They're not getting crushed inside because the Browns' defensive tackles are not very good. And the Browns have screwed up their strategy, not putting Garrett and Clowney over the interior blockers, and which, which is one reason they got a losing record. And Damian Pierce, after that, had nine carries for 18 yards, averaging two a carry last three quarters he had 18 yards and I don't blame it on him I blame it that the Browns obviously had some kind of change in the strategy and Pep Hamilton couldn't adjust to make things different so hopefully going up against the Cowboys defense um, they won't be able to crush the offensive line before Pierce ever gets started but if the Texans are going to be competitive and you know against the Browns they were competitive early in the fourth quarter, but if they're going to be competitive against Cowboys, say, in the first half, they're going to have to get Damian Pierce some yardage and see if they could get him open out in the flat and let him run in space. They threw him two passes last week, but the the, the route concepts here are not very creative sophisticated because this offense is just an abomination. Yeah, it's bad, no doubt. Um, All right, John, my last one, Texans special teams. They had their worst week of the season last week against the Cleveland Browns. 
Um, they did. Uh, Desmond King had a fumble late in the game. Obviously, they gave up the 76-yard punt return uh, for the touchdown that put the Browns ahead to stay during the first half. Made the score seven to five, which always looks hilarious when there's a five on the scoreboard. Um, but they've been the best part of this Texans team all year. Frank Ross's special teams last week. What did you give them for a grade, John, in your report card this week? I, th- I think it was like a C minus because yeah. they did some good things. But you know that punt return by Donovan Peoples Jones, who's the AFC uh, special teams player of the week. So many guys got their hand on him. Yeah. And they just missed the tackles. And that is something the defense have been doing, but not special teams. Yep. So I'm I'm looking for special teams. Frank Ross is a guy. I'd like to see the special teams keep performing well because I would be very interested after this season is over if whoever comes in to replace Lovey Smith. If he if they keep Frank Ross around, you know, if they keep he he he's done a good job since he's gotten here. Usually you'll let a coach decide on you don't want them bringing in all their close friends, they'll get you fired. Yeah. But if a guy's done well, they'll Nick Sarrell say, Look, here's what we think about this guy, here's how he performed. Keep this in mind when you interview him. And then I'm guessing Frank Ross will be retained unless the new coach has a great friend who coaches special teams. Mm. Oh, so bringing in a bunch of your buddies from Penn State and from when you were playing at Brown is a bad strategy for putting a staff together, John? Is that what you're saying? It's so funny to me because Bill O'Brien told me after the first year when he fired several guys, he said, I've always been told that your worst staff is your first one because coaches – have made so many promises to other friends in the business saying, if I get a job first, I'll hire you. And the other one says, if I get one, I'll hire you. And then you can't hire everybody you promised, but you hire them. And after a season, if you haven't figured out the ones who can't coach and get rid of them, you're doomed for a short stay as a head coach. But yes, that is what Bill did. And I, I never thought, I thought Tim Kelly did a great job with Deshaun Watson and looking back, I'm wondering. It looks to me like Pep Hamilton is a quarterback coach. He's not. He's obviously not a coordinator and a play caller. And uh, if if uh, I'd be interested to see Mike Vrabel, if, if uh, his offensive coordinator Todd Todd Downing were to leave, if he would promote Kelly to the coordinator since he worked with him here for four hmm. years. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, offense would certainly look a lot different in a Derrick Henry centric offense than the one that was Deshaun Watson centric when Kelly was here for sure. Now they're going to have to get a, they're going to have to get a quarterback up there because last two games, Henry hadn't done anything because the defense is just dare, dare Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball and they haven't been able to do it. And uh, so he, he and his 39 million cap figure um, and the cap's supposed to go way up next yeah. year, by the way, that they'll be out and they'll get it. They'll need a quarterback, but they're not going to draft high enough to get a top guy. So they'd have to trade up, or they'd have to go after a veteran like Jimmy Garoppolo. So is Malik Willis? Is are they done with him, John? Is that the deal? Like they, they did? No, use a they no. Now they can't. No, no, nobody's making a judgment on him now because yeah. he's a rookie third round pick who had one year of college at a small school. Yeah. But I don't know anybody up there that could say yes or no at this point. And I don't think they're going to be ready to make him the starter in his second season. Prediction on the game this weekend, John. I'm going to say the Cowboys. Last week, I missed it one point. I said 27 You were close. You were so 14. close. 
So this one, I'm going to see, let's see, a Cowboys defense will score three touchdowns. Let's see, 21. I'm going to say Cowboys 42 and the Texans uh, 10. Okay. Wow. 42 to 10. That's your most lopsided prediction of the year, I think. Yes, so it far. is. You know, the Texans haven't been blown out yet. Well, you know, the most lopsided was, uh, I think, the Chargers, 18 points. Wasn't that it? was, uh, well, they, that was the Raiders you're thinking of. The, the Raiders. Oh, was the it? Raiders. Was that yeah. 38 to 20? 38 to 20. The Chargers was 34 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I'm thinking about the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. They, okay. That's interesting you put it that way because they've been, they have been just in terms of watching on the field blown out of several games recently. But if you're what you're saying, and I know what you're saying, you're saying that. When the final score pops up, if people didn't watch the game, but they're just looking around at the scoreboard on their app or whatever, they go, oh, well, the Texans are uh, 30 to 15. They actually kept it pretty close with they the Dolphins. They gave the Titans though. all they could take, losing yeah. about seven points. There. That's and, and whatever, you know, if people are doing that who didn't watch the game, I don't blame them at all. Right. The final score is all they have. It's when the head coach a week later is still bringing up the second half of the Miami game as some sort of uh, hallmark, some sort of uh, prize to put on the shelf that they outscored the Dolphins 15-0. Lovey Smith brought that up after the Browns game. that the, He brought up the second half of the Dolphins. Now I'm getting mad. All right, okay. I think that Lovey, uh, Lovey probably knows he's gone. He probably knows the staff's gone, and he knows that he made a mistake with Pep Hamilton. It's not going to get better. And he's trying to be loyal. And uh, but he knows it's everybody's going to get dumped. I wrote a column for Gallery Sports uh, about why Casario needs to be back where the team was. He ain't been on the job two years, and where the team was when he got it, what he had to do, and now what he's trying to do, and let him hire the coach, and then let him draft the quarterback, and what happens will determine how long he's with the franchise. But I think we all know Lovey's gone, and. And that thing of referring to any little slither of positivity like a like a touchdown against the Browns was embarrassing. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. All right, um, John, you ready to do some for real or fugazi? These are more fun than previewing Texans. For real. Okay, let's for real. For real. All right, John. Um, the Texans are one ten and one. The next closest teams all have three wins. So the Texans have a mulligan here, but they can win one game and still keep the number one overall pick in the draft. So the Texans, let's pretend they finish the season two, 14 and one. So we know that they'll have won one of these final five games. If you could wish and pick which of these final five games is the Texans other win this year. There's only one right answer. And it's the game this Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys for real or Fugazi. For real, by far, that would be, number one, a great deal for the Texans. It wouldn't screw up the first pick. But think about the Cowboys fans, how devastated they would be. They're trying to stay close to Philadelphia. They got a big game on Christmas Eve. They're probably going to play three times this year. And if they were to lose to the Texans when they're such decisive Favorites, it would be the worst loss since since 2002, <laughs> first game of the season. John, I, I I agree with you, but let me caveat one of them. Because the five games left are Cowboys, Chiefs, and then the three divisional uh, opponents, Titans, Jags, Colts. I, I would say Jags, and here's why. 
because I noticed this last time the Texans and the Jags played. It might have been actually it might have been that game or it might have been some other game where one team is having dominance over the other. But let's say, you know, back when the Patriots were beating the Jets, you, you know, seven years in a row, both games in the streak is like 14 times the Patriots. And they show that graphic where the longest winning streaks of one team over another team in the NFL, like current streaks. And the first one is always like in the last year, it's been like a new England streak and then maybe like a green Bay over Chicago or something like that. And then the third or fourth one right now is always the Texans over the Jags. And it's the most random, beautiful thing ever because typically if you have a long winning streak over some other team, it means you're generally probably a good team, a dominant team and the Texans stink. And it's hilarious to see that streak graphic put up there with those other ones. So I would pick Jags because I don't want that graphic to go away. I need that graphic to live on forever and ever and ever. Sean, you are the only person gives a rat's ass about that Jacksonville. You're damn right, John. And if you ask anybody, they would say the Cowboys, even if they just got here from another planet like Uranus, then uh, they would say the Cowboys and the Jaguars. You know, that to me would be the ultimate insult. You beat them 13-6 because the defense played really well. But, man, oh, man, if they were to beat the Cowboys, you could stick it to all those Cowboy fans in Houston. Okay. All right. Well, let me do this. uh, Let's keep it for real or fugazi. Don't get personal, John. You ask anybody, it would be the Cowboys. Am I a nobody? I just (laughs) said Jags, John. Um, The only one. (laughs) Uh, Hannah McNair turning her back on Deshaun Watson was downright rude. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. That's the best move anybody on this team has made this season. It's gotten a lot of publicity, positive, locally, nationally. Uh, Albert Breer was on the sideline. Don't know why, because media is not supposed to be down there, but he was, other than uh, TV cameras. But anyway, he... He shot it. It showed it. Clear as day. A lot of people talked about it around the country. That was that was a great move by Hannah McNair. I agree. I I already thought she was pretty cool. She went up a few more cool points in my book with that with that maneuver. Um, John, speaking of uh, speaking of Deshaun, Jacoby Brissett gives Cleveland the better chance to win football games between now and the end of the season. For real or fugazi? Real because he's been there all along. He knows the offense. He knows the teammates. He's been at practice every day. Now, Watson has been at practice, you know, but you can't replicate in practice what happens during a game. And even if he just gets a little better against Cincinnati and a little better against Baltimore, that schedule's tough. And I would think the Browns with their running game and a defense that should be better, that's been a disappointment, they would have a chance to pull some upsets against everybody but uh, Cincinnati if Brissett was the quarterback like they did when they beat Tampa Bay in overtime. All right, next one, John. Jason LaCanfora reports that Nick Casario is not on nearly as stable a ground as he was previously. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. You know if uh, no LaCanfora reports that it's going to come true, but Fugazi, I'm going to repeat it, Fugazi. Now, people say, well, you said that about Lovey Smith, and I did, but I told him, read my column in Gallery Sports where I lay it all out, 
Can you imagine the stupidity of firing a general manager two years into a six-year contract? The only reason they would do something like that is if they just threw up their hands and they're tired of the whole show and just starting over. But that's just what they did less than two years ago. Nick has been far from perfect. And I think Nick would admit he's been far from perfect. Yeah, Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm leading to something here, John. Uh, He's, he's been far from perfect. There's no question about that. Um, I, I, you know, the two head coaching hires people, a lot of people stand on the whole, you just on principle shouldn't be allowed to hire a third head coach. I don't think this is a normal situation. And I don't think either of these head coaching hires have been normal by any means. Um, and I don't know what the pool of candidates has looked like for either of these go rounds with the hiring cycle. This is a more attractive job now with the draft capital first pick in the draft cap space. Finally, Easterby out of the building, all of those things for me, just in thinking it through, Today, I was just thinking about this. It boils down to the the biggest ask that Nick Casario had from the Texans was somehow navigating this Deshaun Watson situation, which is unprecedented. It, it, it was It's unprecedented for a quarterback to ask for a trade the day that the guy gets hired as general manager, let alone then have to navigate these legal waters that Deshaun was in. I think everybody, not everybody, but I think the consensus is that Nick did a good job with that trade, the way he handled it, the way he managed it. He, would, he did not have leverage in that situation because of the no-trade clause. He still got three first-round picks. I think on principle, you have to let him use at least two of those first-round picks that he got in that trade before you can cut him loose. You know, like you, you've got to let him see the hardest thing he did through at least until two-thirds of the way through it. Yeah, he got Damian Pierce in that trade. Yep. He's been there, he's been their second-best offensive player to Laramie Tunsil. And um, – the thing about him, the first pick, and I point all this out in this column that that they hired was David Cully. That was driven by from the get go by uh, uh, Jack Easterby because mm-hmm. Easterby wanted somebody to be a placeholder for McCown, whether it was one year or two years, and there's no way was going to last guy never been a coordinator so he wanted him to go in there and he and then for i don't know how mccown must be a really impressive talker he must be very convincing and then casario was going to go along with it and then they then i think it's probably hannah mcnair that had him pull back reanalyze the situation and then they they settled on lovey as a compromised candidate and how long Lovey stays here depends on if they how much improvement they've shown. They haven't shown any. They've been worse. And that's why he's going to get fired. And so I think the McNair should tell Nick, okay, you hire the coach. You get the candidates. We'll sit in on the interviews. But it's your baby, and we'll sign off on it like we do everything. And then you draft the quarterback. And if it works, great. You'll be here forever. And if it doesn't, you'll be gone. That's about as fair as you can get. And I think Nick would live with that, obviously. All right, Um, John, real quick, as you and I are doing this, uh, breaking news, the St. Louis Cardinals have signed Wilson Contreras. Um, So thought to be a target of the Astros. Uh, Martin Maldonado getting a little emo on Instagram and not really saying why. Uh, I think some people were speculating maybe the pursuit of Contreras was part of that. But uh, if you are someone who did not want the Astros to sign Contreras, uh, then today is your day because he signs with the St. Louis Cardinals. And we knew he was going to replace Yadier Molina, and uh, they're going to, I think, re-sign Christian Vasquez. That's Mm -hmm. what I've been saying for The Astros' day is what you're talking about? 
Yeah, and I yeah. would love to have seen Contreras here and roll that you pointed out. He could be rotating catcher and he could rotate at DH. Yeah. But uh he wants to be a full time catcher. He's being paid to be a full time catcher. I don't know why, as long as you get the money. And and Martin Maldonado posted that after Dusty Baker said at the winter meetings that they were that they this was was it yesterday or the day before? A couple of days ago, and, yeah. That he said that and he talked about Contreras, which surprised all the local media, and he would come out, and then he put it out there. And I think that he and Vasquez have a really good relationship about the way they handle those duties. And I'm guessing since Martin Maldonado is going to be 37 during the season, that Vasquez probably thinking, okay, I'll be, a, I'll rotate. Martin can do most of the duties, and I will. I will uh, be the starter the next year when he would turn 38 because when they acquired Vasquez, he was batting cleanup for yeah. the Red Sox and hitting almost 290, and hopefully they can get that kind of performance out of him again. Yeah, I, I think there's a good chance that's what it is. I, I had heard that they were back in on Vasquez, John. You bring back Vasquez. I know they want to bring back Brantley. It might be a total running back situation for the Astros, plus a, you know minus Verlander, plus Abreu. I, my hope is that whatever that money they had earmarked for Verlander, you know, Vasquez is not going to be a high ticket item, probably six, seven million dollars a year is, would be my guess. Brantley ain't getting the 16 that he was getting when he was healthy and making the all star team. Um, so there's still a, a, another, you know, 20 or so worth of dry powder. My hope is that they get one of the younger guys that are entering arbitration or are in arbitration years locked up. Probably Tucker or Fromber would be the two. That would be what well, Tucker they've tried to already, and he's just said no. Um, but I'm I'm hoping they use that Verlander money on something, you know. I'm hoping it is a center fielder because if they're going to play um, Jordan Alvarez in left field a lot, they're going to need a center fielder and cover a lot of ground. And even yeah. though Brandon Nemo from the Mets is, they say, a better left fielder. He can play center fielder. He's a leadoff hitter. He can get on. They don't need a leadoff hitter. But I'd like to see him get another bat in the outfield because Brantley, it's pretty obvious he's going to be a DH most of the time. Yeah. Maybe maybe he'll rotate with Alvarez in left field. But bringing back Brantley and uh, Vasquez, when you've lost your ace, to me, you got to get somebody that can give them another bat, and not have all these automatic outs at the bottom of the order. Yeah, the staff should be really good. But he has said he keep Crane keeps talking about bats, not one, but two. Yeah, and you got to bring you. Hopefully, they'll still get another outfielder who can hit. I'd love to see him, and I've said this for months on this podcast trade for Brian Reynolds, the Pirates center fielder who wants to be traded is under control for three years. Mm-hmm. All right, John. Um, that said, for real or Fugazi, the Astros, still the favorites along with the Dodgers to win the World Series at 6-1, to one, even after the Verlander uh, signing with the Mets, the Judge signing with the Yankees. Um, the Astros, as of this moment, still sitting as co-favorites to win the World Series at six to one with the Dodgers, and they should be for real or Fugazi. For real, they should be. And yeah. uh, the Dodgers won during the pandemic. Good for them. You know, they always spend the most money. They still got deals to make. And uh, I, you know, they were embarrassed at what happened to them in the playoffs. And I'm glad Aaron Judge returned to the Yankees. That way, the Astros can beat them again and make it 
give them 360 million reasons that they're going to be devastated another year because Aaron Judge couldn't help them get over the top before. Just because he's making $4,800 a minute doesn't mean he's going to help them get over the top now. All right, John, last one. For real or Fugazi, Kirstie Alley passed away this week at the age of 71. For real or Fugazi, the Kirstie Alley era of Cheers was better than the Shelley Long era of Cheers. Oh, that was for real. You only gave me one Fugazi. I thought Shelley Long left thinking she's going to make it big in movies. She did not. You know, I can't remember if she stayed five years in Hollywood. If you're with a show for five years, you get incredible residuals. But when Allie came in there, she made the show better. Mm. And uh, she lasted a long time. I thought I thought she was fantastic. And I like Shelly Long, but I was mad when she left. Mm. And I was glad she didn't make it big. Okay. Yeah, I did only give you one Fugazi. I'll be honest, John. I thought you would kind of... Because I, I, I try to set these up so that they get split be, between For Real and Fugazi. And I think the audience likes it when you fire off the... You know, go ahead and give them one here, John. I, I think they like when you say Fugazi. Go ahead, give us one here. Well, give, I apologize. That I just give us one. Just say it one time. So, so I'll just say the truth. Fugazi. There you go. See, people Fugazi. like when you... Say, but I thought... I, I had that Fugazi. one... I had that one give set up. <laughs> give me. I practice my Game of Thrones because I go to O'Connor Sports Bar to watch soccer. We're going Friday and Saturday to watch the matches. And they have, there's a lot of people come in from Great Britain because they are Liverpool Sports Bar during Premier League season. And two guys that I talk to the most, one's from Scotland and one's from Ireland. And I listen to the one from Scotland. Carol can't tell the difference, and I can. And I think it's coming. I told her, well, if you'd have watched Game of Thrones, you would have known it. <laughs> the game. Game the Game of Thrones. <laughs> I thought for sure you'd have said the Shelley Long era was better. I thought you might be a little old school that way. A little Sam and Diane action, John. I was you... mad at her when she left, and so yeah. I never had any use for her after that. They did a pretty good job on that show. Seth and I were talking about this yesterday when the news came out about Kirstie Alley. Um they did. When you think about it, they had three iconic characters on that show. If I can, if I'm thinking of this, well, no, they, so two, they replaced Diane with Kirstie Alley and were, you know, kept humming along. They replaced coach with Woody. Remember coach Woody Harrelson made him even better. I and it made it. And, and, and who'd have thought Woody <clears throat> Harrelson would have become the breakout star from that show too. I only want to bed Ted Danson. I tell you, when I found out Ted Danson wore a rug, I was devastated. Yeah, it's and they like found... finding out there's no Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, and they and they they uh, they had it as a storyline on the show. Remember, they they <laughs> they had him remove it on the show. I think it was on the season or the series finale. I think they had him do that. Yeah, that was that was wild. But yeah, like, but Woody Harrelson. I mean, John, you're a Hollywood aficionado. Hell, you're a star yourself. You have an IMDb profile. Um, it's not accurate enough to date. I Woody Harrelson, John, one of you, there, there's two of them, and one of them has a black dude as the guy who's you. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> My favorite Woody Harrelson, and I like a lot of things Woody Harrelson yeah. has been in, but the, the True Confessions, what, is that, what was it called on HBO? With him and Matthew McConaughey when they Oh did the yeah, I know what you're talking about. I and Ale- Alexandra Daddario. 
Yeah. Uh, they had a sex scene with her and Woody in which she just, he was on a sofa and she went over there and straddled him. And, and, uh, I thought Woody Harrelson has got to be the luckiest guy on the face of the earth. In that moment, no doubt about it. Um, all right, John, well, we, uh, we are done. Uh, what do you got going on on your various platforms? I've got this column on Casario. I'm about to do uh, one for Sports Radio 610, looking at Davis Mills and what's in store for the Cowboy game. And it's ugly, as everything is when I write about the Texans, and for good reason. I wrote a column on Verlander, and it was fun. Even though he left, it's fun writing about the Astros because they're so good and everything is so positive, and I yep. can't wait for Jim Crane to make his next move and then to the start of spring training in February. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, all right, so we uh, we are done. Download, share, subscribe, rate us. Uh, we appreciate you uh, downloading and listening to this podcast um, each and every each and every week. Three episodes a week. If you're new to it, three episodes a week. Mailbag episode if you want to email. Uh, the mailbag episode drops on Wednesdays. We record it on Tuesdays. If you have any questions, Texans or otherwise, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. We thank Figgy Fig, our producer, for getting this out to all of you. He is the best at what he does. And uh, we are done. Uh, We will be back on Monday with a recap of the Cowboys game, a recap of the NFL Week 14. We're getting down to it. Um, So until then, I am Sean Pendergast. He is John McClain, and we are out of time. We will see all of you on Monday for the next episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Enjoy the games, everybody.